Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Can Jesus do anything apart from the Father? That is the question that we'll answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, the HCSB spokesperson with my co-host Trevor Wax, managing editor of The Gospel Project. And with us today is Dr. Scott Swain. He's the professor of systematic theology and academic dean at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. He's also a well-respected scholar on the Trinity, um, authoring books such as uh, Reformed Catholicity, which is a really good book, Trinity, Reading, and Revelation. And uh, some time ago, a book that I just read recently, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, The Trinity and John's Gospel, which will kind of apply to what we're talking about today. So thanks for hopping on with us, Scott. Thank you for having me. Uh, Scott, there's, uh, there's been a recent revival uh, of sorts in the discussion about um, just what the relationship was of uh, Jesus to the Father, um, him being submissive to the Father, what that looks like inside, outside the life of the Trinity. And uh, one thing that we would all agree on is that Jesus was certainly in a posture of submission to the Father in his incarnation when he was uh, uh, doing his uh, earthly ministry. And this passage would be an example of that. But the question gets raised, okay, so how uh, independent, how autonomous is Jesus in relation to the Father? How is he both his own person and yet still working in unity with the Father during his, his earthly ministry. Yeah, so let's read, uh, let's read John 5, and then we'll uh, let Scott hop in here, and we'll, we'll start talking through it. Uh, John 5, uh, verses 16 to 23 in the HCSB. And I uh, remember this comes uh, right after Jesus is rebuked for performing miracles on the Sabbath. Um, and then uh, verse 16, Therefore the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Uh, but Jesus responded to them, My Father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to anyone he wants to. Verse 22, the father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son, so that all people will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So, Scott, there's a lot here, uh, but maybe we can look at a few big picture items, uh, just try to drill it down uh, as as simply as we can in the time that we have. So first, um, there seems to be a contradiction here, right? In verse 18, um, Jesus is rebuked for saying he's equal with God. And then in verse 19, he says he's not able to do anything apart from him. So, so Scott, is he equal with him or is he under his authority? How do we, how do we start to look at this? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and I think the question you opened with, can Jesus do anything apart from the Father, is also a helpful way of of kind of unearthing what the issues are. The answer to your first question has to be no, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Jesus says he doesn't do anything apart from the Father. The trick is, what does that mean? Uh, Why is the answer no? Is it because... The Father and the Son are in an authority and submission relation where the Father maybe acts autonomously, but the Son 
receives uh, authority from the father. Well, that probably raises uh, problems given verse 21 because right. it sounds like the father's, I mean, the son's action, he gives life to whom anyone he wants to. That sounds like sovereignty on the son's part, right? Uh, does it mean the father has greater glory or authority than the son? Well, probably not. Verse 23, uh, the whole point of this discussion is that all will honor the son as they honor the father. So I, I think that interpretation probably needs to be thrown out here. Another interpretation is the one that Calvin offers. He says, well, the reason Jesus can't do anything apart from the Father is because we're talking solely about his um, incarnate state as the mediator of salvation. And so we're really looking at Jesus and his humanity. Um, but the problem there is that when Jesus says he doesn't do anything from himself, literally what he says in, in verse 19, the same language is used of the Holy Spirit in chapter uh, 14 and, and talking about his mission. Well, the Spirit wasn't incarnate, and uh, the Spirit is not human. And so it sounds like to say that Jesus doesn't do anything from himself, it might be referring to something else. And so I think the the best way to answer the, the question, why is it that Jesus can't do anything apart from the Father, is because, well, what he's saying is he's one God with the Father. He's equal with the Father, right? And everything the Father does, he does likewise. So there is no independent action. There one being, there's one operation. Um, what he wants to clarify, though, is that he is not doing something independently from the Father, he's doing it as the Father's Son, right? So uh, later on in the same chapter, in verse 26, it says, as the Father has life in himself, that is divine self-existence, so he's granted to the Son to have life in himself. So they both share the attribute of divine self-existence, but the Son eternally receives that self-existence from the Father. And it's the same way with his actions. He performs the same actions that the Father performs, but he performs them not from himself, but from the Father. So that's language that, that he doesn't act from himself. is not language about his divine or human status. It's language about his person. Hmm. He is from the Father eternally. He acts from the Father in time. So, so you would say that there is this, uh, for example, in, in verse 21 of that passage that Brandon read, so uh, the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to anyone he wants to. The focus there is that the son and the father um, are, um, are unified in, in this mission. And even then in verse 22, when it says the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son, but in verse 23, it comes back around to say so that all people that so that all people will honor the son just as they honor the father to show that even if if they they may be um uh doing different things in time at this moment there is a unity of mission that is at at in view when Jesus talks about not doing anything uh, apart from the father is that is that a good representation of of the of the way you would put this 
I, I think so. There's a, you know, the, there's a statement in Deuteronomy where it's it's one of the strongest kind of monotheistic statements we have in the Old Testament. I, even I am he, I kill and I make alive. And what the Lord is saying there is that he alone has power over life and death. Right. And so I think this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying this singular prerogative of the Father is one that is shared by the Son. And again, it's 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 equal ground for blasphemy. <laughs> well, and that's and that, that's why they get mad at him and they want to they right. they try all the more to kill him, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because you, you think about it like this: often in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus is they get mad at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and he'll he'll he will talk about maybe some kind of exception to Sabbath law, and so it, it's almost like he's getting off on a technicality in the Synoptics. <laughs> Here. He he ramps it up. He says, oh, you, you don't like what I'm doing on the Sabbath. Well, let me just tell you this. Everything God does, including basically preserving the world on the Sabbath, I'm involved in that because I'm one with the Father. <laughs> and so this is – yeah, this is why they, they – the point is he's not just breaking Sabbath law in their mind. He's now become a blasphemer because right. he's making these – preposterous claims about himself if they're not true and it goes back to that that whole that whole question of you know the people who say that jesus um was not god or didn't see himself as god or whatever there's these these verses like this where it seems like jesus had the perfect opportunity to apologize and say no 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 no, hold on hold on you've it's misunderstood not, yeah. my, me me and my actions he's like oh know? yeah by the way guess what you're right i am equal with the father <laughs> right yeah yeah it's 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 a really really strong claim to to claim these because it's not just like he's saying, God is kind, and I'm going to be kind. Because you and I could say that, right? Sure. We are called to be holy like our Father in heaven is holy. He's actually saying that he does God-specific actions, mm-hmm. right? Give life to the dead, responsible for the final judgment. That's another God-specific action mm-hmm. according to the Old Testament. And so um, he's, he's making quite radical claims here about himself. Okay, so... Um, let's let's pull the microscope back uh, just a little bit and, and think about some other passages. There's so many uh, that we can look at where Jesus is praying to his father and saying, not your will, you know, not my will, but your will. Um, there's yeah. tons of these examples where he says, I do what my father does. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, et cetera. Uh, but there's a couple of kind of big picture verses that, that get brought up in these conversations a lot. Um, so let's tie, maybe tie some of those together a little bit with this. So you've got passages that that discuss Jesus's equality and sufficient of the Father, and then you've got these places like John one one to fourteen, uh, the Word was God, the Word was with God, um, He created all things, were created by Him and through Him and for Him, and then you've got Philippians two five to eleven where He is equal with God, but then He becomes a servant. Um, so, what do you do with these kind of verses where you have uh, what seems to be perhaps Jesus having a different status in one in one sense, but not in the other? So maybe before His incarnation yeah. and after. Um, what do you do with yeah. some of those uh, of pulling all those together for something that we can actually hold on to? Yeah, so it's, it's a great question, and I, I think that the the answer that has been given since at least the fourth century remains uh, kind of best answer. And it's essentially this: you've got three kinds of texts in the New Testament when you talk about Jesus. You have texts which clearly emphasize his equality with the Father. So, for example, the Father has life in himself. The Son has life in himself. That's equality. Mm -hmm. You have texts which are clearly referring to his incarnate state. 
And so, you know, when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Well, he's talking about his incarnate human will, right? Because he only has one will with the Father as the eternal Son. And so there we, we see him as the second Adam who is struggling with this call to enter God forsakenness mm-hmm. and yet who is submitting himself to the Father. And so we have those kinds of texts. And then you have other kinds of texts, and I think John 5 is an example of this other kind of text, where the emphasis is not so much on his equality with the Father, although that's the presupposition. And the emphasis is not on his humanity, but it's, it's really on his person, the fact that he's the Son. So he, etern- he eternally is from the Father. That's the doctrine of eternal generation, right? And then in time, in the economy of salvation, he acts from the Father. And I think that's what we see in John chapter 5. And see, so this kind of brings us back to where we began. Calvin would want to take John 5 and put it in the humanity category, Okay. But what I was suggesting is, well, I don't think that works because the Spirit is spoken of in the same way. I think it's in the person category. Hmm. So we're saying the reason he does everything the Father does, the reason he has everything the Father has, is because of who he is. He's the Son. He's the eternal Son of the Father, and he in time acts from the Father. So so there are really those three categories I find helpful ways of capturing the, this diversity of biblical evidence that you so helpfully um, – summarize that that's that's very helpful um so we we always like to to wrap up this podcast by talking about how we would uh preach or teach or share the truth in a particular passage including the passages uh, obviously that are a little more difficult to immediately understand um so if, if someone is listening as a pastor perhaps a sunday school teacher um, a parent sitting down with their kids what what would you say that they should focus on as they are working their way through this text yeah um a couple things first thing is this is a very difficult text to understand and that's okay right <laughs> i've got four kids uh they're 15 to nine years of age, and I mean, just yesterday, my nine-year-old on the couch wanted to. He said, "No, the father doesn't have a body, <laughs> but Jesus does have a body." That's right, and and you know, he, I can see him him pondering this and he said, "Well, that's hard to understand, and and that's okay. We're talking about God. If right. if it were easy to understand, that'd be the first clue we're not talking about God." <laughs> so that's the first thing I say. It, it's okay to have difficult text. Peter says Paul writes things that are difficult and that and that those who are untaught and unstable twist them to their own destruction. So we need to acknowledge, yes, this is one of those difficult passages. But the other thing I would say is it, it teaches us something wonderful, that God wants us to know about himself because he wants us to understand how he saved us, right? This It's this united work of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And when Jesus is walking on the pages of John's Gospel, we see not merely a man devoted to our good, right? We see God himself, God the Son, who is in unison with the Father, at one with the Father, accomplishing our salvation. And then the other thing, and and, and this is what verse 23, the point of it all is that we would worship the Son in the same way we worship the Father. And that's, and that's, that's a good way of kind of these complicated 
debates we've had the past two months in evangelical circles on the Trinity, one way of kind of, I think, getting our head around it is to say, is the viewpoint being argued here, does it cause me and lead me to worship and glorify and honor the Son just as I worship and honor and glorify the Father? And that's a question you can answer, I think, with a pretty clear yes or no on, on different views. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that that kind of bullseye point of it is, is doxological, right? It's about the glory of Christ. It's about his supremacy at the right hand of the Father and so forth. That That's, I think, that I think for me helps me bring it back to a very practical conclusion. Yeah, I think we, it, it, there's a lot of missteps at times on this, I feel like, when it comes to pastors preaching this, um, almost avoiding the Trinity language or the glory and worship language um, in order to try to be, quote unquote, more applicable. And so maybe they would say, yeah. rightly so, say something about, you know, you know, God loves you so much that he sent his son, John three sixteen flows into this and look at what the son can do. He can give you life. He can raise people from the dead and you can have hope in that which I think is good, but but it's also really practical and applicable just to point people to the worship of God, right? Right, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, Scott, thank you so much for jumping on with us. This is really helpful and a really um, good encapsulation of a difficult doctrine, so we appreciate you taking the time to do that. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. All right, Trevin, thanks for hopping on as always. Thank Glad you all for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.